Father, your scripture says, see the great love with which you've loved us, that we should be called children of God, and we are. Father, I've got to admit, that song, oh, that song gets to the root of so many things that challenge my identity throughout the week. Father, you took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt, and in Christ, you nailed it to the cross. And so, God, would we leave it there? Would we leave it right where you've nailed it? Do that in my heart. Would your Holy Spirit sing that back to me and to us that we are children of the King, that we are children of God. Father, make that a present tense reality right now for anyone in here that doesn't know you. Bless our time together here. Would it be a celebration of those very words that we are your children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, man. It's like those times you're not ready to come up, but it's your time to come up. Like, like you're in that with me right now as we sit here. Well, good morning, Trinity. My name is David. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here, and we have the privilege today of celebrating baptisms, which is my favorite service. Yes. We had four people baptized uh, in the first service, four people on deck in the batter's box to be baptized today, so you guys are in for a treat. Other than Christmas and Easter, baptism services are second to none for me, so huge honor and privilege to be here, Um, but before we get there, first want to take some time and make sure we understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so every time that we take the Lord's Supper, we always take a second to explain exactly what that means and what it represents. And I want to make sure we're doing the same thing with baptism here today. Now, Protestants believe, we believe, because the Bible teaches that Jesus instituted two sacraments or two practices, the Lord's Supper and baptism. The Lord's Supper, communion, he instituted on the night that he was betrayed, the next day crucified, And baptism after his triumphant resurrection and before his ascension into heaven. And so, because the Lord instituted these, they are not optional. However, to perform them without the proper posture of our hearts and understanding would be to render them hollow rituals. It's been said that you can boil the Christian faith down to two things. A tub and a table. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Everyone needs to be washed and everyone needs to be fed. And we know this of our physical life. Everyone needs to be washed, everybody needs to be fed, but it is so very true of our spiritual lives. Every person needs to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and fed and nurtured and sustained by him. 
And that is what is represented by these two wonderful gifts of the Lord's Supper and baptism that Jesus gave to the church. Now, I emphasize represented intentionally. Neither baptism nor the Lord's Supper save you from your sins. Faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ saves you. Period. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you were saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a work of God that no man may boast. Now, the Lord's Supper, the bread and the juice, these represent the new covenant. His body broken, his blood poured out so that sins may be forgiven. And likewise, baptism represents us being buried with Christ in his death, in his crucifixion, under the water, and then raised with him in his resurrection, back out. So no, baptism does not save us, but that does not mean it is an empty ritual. Now what kind of Lord would Jesus be if some of the last words he gave to his disciples constituted a hollow ritual? Now, I was praying, pouring through this service this week, praying for everybody that was baptized today, praying for the words that God would give me, because this is a little atypical. And I felt God speak to me in such a powerful way on Monday. And I took that and I sent it out to a bunch of, bunch of you leaders in the church. And I said, listen, I don't normally ask this question, but what did your baptism mean to you? And I've got some of the most beautiful responses from them. And every single one of them confirmed exactly what God's Holy Spirit had told me on Monday. Now, I tend to be very uh, sort of in the academic and in the theological, sort of like head in the clouds kind of stuff. And I often miss some of the most practical stuff that God is saying to me. And I heard him say to me this week, no, I do not save through baptism. But that doesn't mean I don't speak through it. And so what I want to do today is I want to, sh I want to share four points about what God says to each one of us through our baptism. And Gina and Tim and MJ and Ryan, this is what God says to you through your baptism today. He says to each one of you, Number one, you are my child. Number two, you are loved. Number three, you are clean. And number four, eternal life is yours now. Number one, you are my child. Before Jesus began his ministry, he was baptized by John the Baptist. Many of us know he was immersed into the Jordan River, and when he came out of the water, the voice from the Father above came down from heaven and said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. And if you are in Christ, if you have given your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been adopted into the family of God. Romans 8 says that we were not given a spirit of fear to fall back into slavery. We were given a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry, Daddy, Father. God is the perfect Father. And when you are in Christ, that perfect Father 
is your perfect father, and you are his child. Your baptism is a visible representation of your adoption into the family of God. And number two, God does not just call you his child. He calls you loved. At the point in Jesus' life when he was baptized and God said those words, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Someone tell me what Jesus had done here on earth to earn his father's love. Nothing. The only scripture we get is that he ditched his parents and was hanging out in the synagogue and they couldn't find him. Scripture records no miracles, no healings, no teachings, nothing. God loves not for what we do, but for who we are. And by definition of our physical existence, all of us are children. It's a biological fact. But many of you have not felt that kind of love. You've felt love tied to your performance or tied to your behavior. But God loves us so much that he sent his only son into this world while we were still sinners. Not to condemn us, but to save us. Your baptism today is a visual representation that you are a beloved child of God. And because it was God who adopted you in Christ, there is nothing or no one that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And number three, not only does God tell you you are his child, and not only does he tell you that you are loved, but he tells you that you are clean Every single one of us in this room and every single one of you in the can that camera has a sin in your past that if we put it up on this screen, we wouldn't be able to run out of here fast enough, myself included. Do you have trouble believing that God can and will, for, will forgive that one, that sin, that one that you're thinking about right now? He knew about it. He knew about it before you ever did it. And his plan was always to cleanse you from it. Listen, this is 600 years before Jesus marched to the cross where my sin and your sin were nailed to it in him. Jesus told the prophet Ezekiel, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all of your idols, I will cleanse you, God says. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You from all your uncleanliness. Hear God your Father. You are clean. The sins of the past, 
the sins of the present, the sins of the future, you are clean. Brothers and sisters, we can't just believe this. We have to receive this. Look, if you're on trial in this country, the best verdict you're going to get is not guilty. But in Christ, God does one better. He doesn't just declare you not guilty. You are found innocent. Even though we stumble, even though we fall, even though we sin, the blood of Jesus Christ has washed the stain away and you are clean. And number four, not only are you a beloved child of God, washed clean by the blood of Jesus, but eternal life is yours now. We talk about us owing a debt that we couldn't pay, so on the cross, Jesus paid a debt that he didn't know. But God's salvation and his plan for every single one of us is not just to bring our spiritual bank account from negative to zero. It is for us to overflow with that resurrection reality and walk in that newness now. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6. He says, how can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in that newness of life. And that word newness literally translates to this sentence, a spiritual state of eternal life that you are placed into by the Holy Spirit. Eternal life does not begin when this life ends. It is here and now for all who are in Christ Jesus. No, God does not save through baptism, but he sure does speak through it. And he says to each one of us that you are his child, that you are loved, that you are clean, and that eternal life is yours now. That is what is represented when we celebrate baptism. And that is what we're going to celebrate right now. Amen. Amen. All right. Let me, um, again, as I was praying through this this week, I wanted to, I sort of want to enter into our time of baptism. And this, this chunk of scripture in Ephesians stood just jumped right off the page. So let me read this sort of over us and over this, and then let me pray, and then we'll get to Duncan. <laughs> Pastor Matt, you ready? All right, let's do it. Paul writes this. This is Ephesians 1. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in all of my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having your eyes enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, 
and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but the age to come. And he put all things under the feet of Jesus Christ and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Heavenly Father, this is anything but an empty ritual. You speak to each one of us through our baptism, and we carry that with us every single day. And in this baptism, you say to us that we are yours, that we are loved, that we don't have to seek our identity elsewhere in the world. Stuff that can only overpromise and underdeliver, but that you call us yours. So, Father, thank you for the work, the saving grace that you've poured out on your children, your four children, that are about to declare publicly that they are yours and you are theirs. In Jesus Christ's matchless name, we thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. You ready? All right.